Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What's happening? Welcome in. Welcome from Nashville to wherever you happen to be. We're in the Fox Sports Radio studios, and we're glad to be with you. And by we, I mean the crew of the Jason Martin Show. My name happens to be Jason Martin. I'm last on the list. The first three on the list, Bo Benson, Chris Perfett, Brian Finley. You go one, two, three, and then you get to me. I'll play the four. No problem at all. By the way, Discover matches all the cashback you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. That's amazing. Discover's accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Well, the NFL schedule's out. As my buddy Jeff Schwartz and colleague here at Fox Sports says, it feels a lot more real now, doesn't it? Because now you have a week one opponent to prepare for, whatever fan base you're in. And then you roll on forward, and now you know everything. We already knew the teams, now we know the order. It's amazing how powerful football is, that that was such a big deal in advance. But there's a lot that's happened this week. To say the least, the Tebow story, uh, the weird developments in the Deshaun Watson case, the NBA's regular season coming to a close, uh, UFC guy gets his arm just broken, bone shattering on television last night. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff happening right now, a ton. And then there's Aaron Rodgers, but. Let's start with the NBA Hall of Fame today. When you look at the class, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, that's already a pretty strong class. Eddie Sutton, Rudy Tomjanovich, Tamika Ketchings, Kim Mulkey, Barbara Stevens, 
Patrick Bauman, and someone by the name of Kobe Bryant. If you saw social media on Saturday, it would have been impossible not to see the outpouring of love and just kind of admiration for the way in which Kobe Bryant attacked his job and increasingly attacked his life. I remember after he passed, the first show I did, I spent a good time talking about about Kobe Bryant. It wasn't as much about the stats, because we all know how great a player he was. And it certainly wasn't about a lot of the blemishes in his life defining him. Certainly, by no means, was Kobe Bryant perfect. Nor am I, nor am you, nor is anybody. Kobe Bryant was just a human being, but he's one that maximized the time that he had here, not knowing when it was going to come to an end. He was a guy that that seemed to attack life with a fervor. He's somebody that attacked each day. I don't know if his I don't know if he believed, you know, each day could be his last. But we all do have a final day here. There's going to be a last day for all of us. And I do think that when you go back and you look at that, you can say, you know what? Although it was cut short so tragically, it certainly appears like the vast, vast majority of the days Kobe Bryant spent with us and spent with his family and those that loved him most, and certainly his peers in the NBA, most of the days that he spent here, he spent well. He spent living life to the fullest. He spent maximizing what he could get done, whether it was on the basketball court, as a husband and father, and certainly a flawed husband. Yes, we, we were well aware of all of that, but one that increasingly seemed to get it and seemed to prioritize his family over everything else and his daughters. One of the reasons that I became more and more excited about the prospect of potentially becoming a girl dad was because of Kobe Bryant and how he loved his daughter and what you would see in the stories and certainly the stories that came out after he passed away just about how special it was and how he used all those moments. And so now I have a have a one-month-old daughter and a lot of times I, I do think of Kobe and I think of how much respect and love he had for that child. And it did. It made it seem even cooler to be a girl dad. It was like almost like a fraternity to get in. So when she was born, we didn't know she was going to be a girl until we saw her for the first time. We let it be a surprise. And it was a great decision. And there was a lot of joy there. Kobe Bryant provided a lot of joy on the basketball court. He provided a lot of joy to those that he encountered. He inspired a legion, a generation of athletes. He was one of the last true killers on the basketball court. I don't think there's a whole lot of those guys today. Doesn't mean there's not a whole lot of great basketball players. We're we're about to see the cream of the crop starting in the play-in tournament right on into the playoffs finally culminating in the NBA Finals and the Larry O'Brien Trophy. There were other fantastic basketball players honored with Kobe Bryant. I gave you the list off the top of this segment. But Kobe Bryant was different, man. He was wired to have played in any era. 
which I think is one of the reasons why Michael Jordan cared about him so much and loved him so much, to the extent that Michael Jordan admitted during the during the ceremony that he, he couldn't delete Kobe Bryant from his phone. That's just a contact. It's got to stay there. And I understand that. Michael Jordan is not a guy whose respect is, is earned very easily. If you watched The Last Dance, you saw it. He was driven differently. And I think he saw himself in Kobe Bryant. I would say he saw more of himself in Kobe Bryant than he did in LeBron James. Whether he loves both, I feel like Kobe is more true to the essence of what Michael Jordan was than LeBron James is. And that's not to speak about either one of them in detrimental fashion. Kobe was unique. Kobe was timeless. Kobe's game would have played anywhere, anytime, on any basketball floor, with any coach. He was just that good. And to watch him go posthumously into the Hall of Fame and not to have to wait very long to go in and to listen to his wife, you saw some of it. I mean, there's the load management debate right now in the NBA. And Vanessa Bryant said that one of the reasons that that Kobe didn't ever want to take a night off was he always believed, well, what about that family that saved up all year just to come see me play one time, and then I'm going to take that night off? You can understand it both ways. If you're dealing with injuries and, and you're, or you're aging or whatever it is, you want to make sure that you are fresh or as fresh as you can be going into the postseason. It's a grind of an 82-game schedule. But load management has certainly become a pretty hot topic, a discussion point. And this year, I don't think it's reflected particularly well on the NBA. and Maybe it hasn't for the last few years, but Kobe was a guy that you pretty much were going to get that guy. Even when the regular season wasn't being taken seriously by the entire league, it certainly looked like it was being taken seriously by Kobe being Bryant, doesn't it? So when you see the Dodgers say, Hall of Fame, Kobe Bryant, Mamba forever, and you saw Mamba mode and all that kind of stuff popping out, James Worthy, Jamal Crawford, Team USA Basketball, all of these people. I mean, you think about the class that went in there, just the, just the top three names from an NBA perspective, Kobe, Timmy D, and KG. Those are three where, again, the litmus test for Hall of Fame for me is, there's two of them. One is, do I have to hesitate when you say Hall of Famer or not? And the second is, could the story of said sport be written effectively? Could that book be written without including X name? In this case, all three of those guys, absolutely not. But Kobe... Watching the reaction to Kobe's death in the moment and even over a year later, you saw how important he was. And you realize how much more he had to give off the basketball floor, certainly to a new generation of players, to his daughter and and, and to girls basketball, to women's basketball, but also in entertainment, in analysis, Everything he was doing with ESPN with detail, like he just he had it figured out, it seemed like. 
I'm sure behind closed doors, he dealt with the same kind of struggles that we all do. We all deal with a lot of struggles. They're not always the same, but there's always a degree of struggle that we're all dealing with at any given time. Everybody is. What you're dealing with right now in your life, I might not be dealing with that specific thing, but I've got my own weight that's always on my shoulder. We're all carrying those around every single day. But it felt like Kobe's life was in an excellent spot when he was taken from us. But yesterday, enshrined in the Hall of Fame, it was fitting. And it was emotional. And it was just like when we originally got that tragic news. Everybody was unified. We all were able to sit there and watch him go into the Hall of Fame the way he should have together. And then you could sit around and then the clips started popping up again, just like they did last year. The great clips on the floor, the comments, the facial expressions on the floor, all sorts of things. Because everybody had all of the stuff that they went and found and put out there, and a lot of it remained on people's phones, remained on people's laptops, remained on people's devices, and then they were able to just push that stuff right back to us yesterday. And considering a lot of teetering and and a lot of wild things that have certainly happened in the years since, or the year plus since now, any chance that we had to be unified, we were going to take. So Kobe, who was the ultimate killer on the floor, used one of the biggest unifiers in modern society, sports, and drew us all together again, this time to celebrate him one more time for all that he did. It was a great class, like I said off the top of this. Like you get those you get those three guys alone, then you get Rudy T and Tamika Ketchings and all the folks that went in. I mean, that was a star studded class. There's times where you look at the Hall of Fame in any sport and you're just like, Yeah, that's not exactly world class. But you start there, I mean, I'm not the only one saying it. LeBron James said on Saturday that that trio of Kobe, KG, and Timmy D is better than any in the history of the institution. Now, you might be able to argue that. I'd probably have to go back and look. I think there have been some other really star-studded one, two, threes. But in terms of people our age, I'm 42 years old. So you can go back to the 80s for me. You can go to Magic. You can go to Larry Bird. You can go to those Pistons teams. You can go to Dominique. You can go to a lot of those kind of guys for me. And then you might be older than me, so you can go even further back. You can go to Elgin Baylor. You can go to Wilts. You can go to George Gervin. You can go to a lot of those kind of guys. It's all era-specific. But all of us got to watch all of the careers of these three guys. Almost all of us. There are some you know, teenagers listening right now that might not have seen the start of Kobe Bryant's career in 97 when he won the dunk contest. But most of us recall that entire career. And I've many times on this show remarked how brilliantly blessed we are as sports fans to have been able to live and experience the full careers of so many all-time greats. When you think of the greatest to ever play a lot of sports, we've actually been alive this century to see them in action. And Jordan, of course, right at the tail end of last century. But you think of Kobe, and you think of Tim Duncan, and you think of Kevin Garnett. 
I mean, look. Tiger Woods. Serena and Venus Williams. Roger Federer. Rafael Nadal. Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt. Like, that's just the start of the list. You can keep it going in your own head as we roll into this break. When we come back, I do want to play some of what Vanessa Bryant had to say uh, during the Hall of Fame induction, but start to think about that, really. I mean, I didn't even get to Brady and Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers, who's certainly in the news all the time right now. And Patrick Mahomes, we're starting to see it. And Stephen Curry right now. And a fleet of unbelievable young NBA stars. We're seeing some of the greatest to ever play their respective sports. We are living in a blessed generation of sports fans. And even though yesterday, in many ways, was the final goodbye, it was such a lasting tribute to the brilliance, to the greatness, to the larger-than-life star power. You never even had to say his last name. I remember saying that originally. I was just like, you want to talk about a star? All you got to say is Kobe. I know exactly who you're talking about. And even if I wasn't a giant hoophead, a giant basketball fan, I'd still be pretty sure I'd know who Kobe Bryant was. Sure, there are some people that, are, that have no clue at all, but most people, even if they had never watched a dribble of his career, knew of the existence of Kobe Bryant. That's star power. Not even paying attention. Not even in your universe, but I know who you are. And I know who Kobe Bryant is, and everybody listening to me does too. And what Kobe Bryant is, is Hall of Famer, as of yesterday, officially. We'll hear from his widow, Vanessa Bryant, a little bit about what she said during the induction ceremony when we come back and react to that. I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back. My name is Jason Martin. This happens to be the Jason Martin Show. I'm on Twitter at jmartradio. You can find me there. Hope you're well, wherever you happen to be. Hope you're living life to the fullest. It's kind of what we discussed there in our first segment was how Kobe Bryant seemed to do that. How Tim Duncan has seemed to do that. How Kevin Garnett did that as well. Three just unbelievable names going into the Hall of Fame together. A crop that LeBron James says is the greatest in the history of the NBA Hall of Fame, in the, in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And it's hard to deny that trying to find a better trio would be rather difficult. I want to say there might be one other one that I remember reading about originally when they announced who was going to get in this year. uh, That I would say, you know, you could probably put that person there. But there was some actually I talked about maybe at the time of Kobe's passing or maybe this story, maybe, maybe I talked about this at a different point in time on this program now that we've been doing it for a few years together. And I'm going to go into that again because I think it's relevant again today. But as promised, I do want you to hear from Kobe's wife, Vanessa Bryan, who was very eloquent and emotional as she spoke about her husband, the father of her children, uh, yesterday. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the specifics here, but I just want you to hear this and then we'll react to them afterwards. Here is uh, Vanessa Bryan speaking yesterday at her husband's induction ceremony. There will never be anyone like Kobe. Kobe was one of a kind. He was special. He was humble. Off the court. But bigger than life. To all of our close friends and family that have been present for my girls and I, thank you. That list is long and it takes a village. But know that your kindness and love does not go unappreciated. I don't have a speech prepared by my husband because he winged every single speech. He was intelligent, eloquent, and gifted at many things, including public speaking. However, I do know that he would thank everyone that helped him get here, including the people that doubted him and the people that worked against him and told him he couldn't attain his goals. He would thank all of them for motivating him to be here. After all, he proved you wrong. That was Vanessa Bryant yesterday at... uh the induction ceremony for Kobe Bryant. All right, now I'm going to do this for you. If you're new to me, then maybe you haven't heard this before. If you're not, then you probably have. But I always jump back to this. Stephen Covey passed away many years ago. But he wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And it's a really interesting book. And it is still regarded to be one of the gold standards when it comes to not necessarily self-help, but just getting things in order and certainly finding success professionally and balancing it personally. And one of the things that happens in the first hundred pages of this book, which has been revised now many times because there's been so many millions of copies sold. And actually, I was rolling through like a Target a few weeks ago and I happened to see it. In the book section, I hadn't seen it in just kind of a regular store in a while. I thought of just a bookstore, but it seems like it might even be making yet another comeback, as it should. Highly recommended 
for all of you to read it if you get the opportunity. But it's somewhere in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. There's an exercise, and the book does have its share of exercises to go through. And it's not a book that you just read in three days and move on. Like the first chapter alone, like you, you kind of read it and then you implement it. And then you can come back to the book. And the exercise that's in these, these 90s, the pages, the 90s pages, is an exercise about your own eulogy. It's an exercise about what happens after you die. What you come to find out as you get older in life is that all the stuff that you've collected means less and less. You figure this out for yourself every time you go move into a new house. If you're going to move into a new house, you're looking around and you're seeing a lot of stuff that you're packing up and you're just moving it from place to place to place, even though you've never really used it before. But you realize how much stuff you have. One, if you move in with someone else. But just as you're boxing it up, you're just like, how did I acquire all of this? And how much of it actually plays a role in my life? And then you think, okay, I'm just going to be smarter in the future. You never are. We're just creatures that collect a bunch of stuff for a long period of time. Now, as you get older, you start to collect less and less and give more and more away. And that's in every way. That's, that's giving away love. That's giving away time. That is giving away possessions. It's all this kind of stuff. It's setting up the next generation. It's handing off what you've learned, whether it's a tangible thing that you can actually hand somebody in a box, or it's an intangible thing like a lesson that you learn from a grandparent or an uncle or someone like that. So when you are done here, right, when you've moved to whatever you believe is after death, if you had the opportunity to be there at your funeral, the exercise is to write down what, I think it's four different groups of people or four different classifications of people would say about you whether in the eulogy or amongst each other at the events, like the memorial service, the, the actual burial, all of those things, and the get-together afterwards, what people would say. And it's your family, and it's your friends, and it's your coworkers. And if you stop and think about it, it's never... Man, he drove a great-looking Mustang. Or, boy, I loved his house. Or, boy, she um, she had one heck of a jewelry collection. It's never that stuff. It's always stuff like, he never said a bad word about anybody. He was always willing to lend a hand. I remember he helped me move. He, he brought his truck over. She baked for us when we lost my father or something to that degree. It's about who people were. It wasn't about what they owned. That's the way that you were able to live. It, it just seems like you don't realize it, but as you get older, legacy matters. 
And things that are legacy are the kinds of things you want people saying about you at your funeral, not things that are important in the moment. We do live in an immediacy society. We live in an immediacy moment. But what's lasting? What's left behind? And yes, a job well done matters. But if all you're known for is your work, then it's almost saddening because it seems like you've missed out on the things that are really, truly important. Not that work isn't, but it can't be your sole meaning. So think about that and apply it to Kobe. What were people saying about Kobe yesterday? What were they saying about him a year ago? What were they saying about Tim Duncan? What was Tim Duncan saying about Greg Popovich yesterday? Things of that nature. You're hearing more and more legacy stuff about Kobe Bryant and appealing again to, you can certainly talk about what he did on the basketball floor. As many did, many have, and many always will. Many books have been written. More will be written. Guys that are playing now still inspired by Kobe. So you're going to say kind things there. But what else are you going to say about Kobe? And this is where Kobe won. His wife said he's still winning. He won. Yes, he won championships and individual accolades and all-star MVPs and Olympic MVPs and all of that. Gold medals. And now he's won his way into the Hall of Fame. But he won because he embraced being a father and it, and it changed him. He won because he didn't let the mistakes he made when he was younger define him forever. He changed the narrative. He continued to grow. He never stayed in one place, got complacent. He stayed in L.A., yes. But think about how he was expanding what he was doing, even towards the tail end of his NBA career. Look at the way he attacked the life that he had. Look at the way he provided for his family and the way he he seemingly was setting himself up for a very successful post-NBA future. I think if we go back and think about what was even said about him at that kind of public memorial service, you get the answer to the Stephen Covey exercise about Kobe, and it was that, yeah, he is still winning. We won because we got to watch him play basketball. Very few of us got to meet him, had him touch our lives in any more important way than that. But that was enough for us to have memories that have helped build friendships. Lakers fans listening to us right now in Los Angeles and across the country. Some of you weren't Lakers fans until you saw Kobe play basketball. Some of you weren't Spurs fans until you saw Tim Duncan play basketball. Some of you weren't, certainly weren't Timberwolves fans before KG came around. He reinvigorated a Celtics franchise. You think about all all of those folks. What did Tamika Catchings mean for a fleet of young women that chose to play basketball because of trailblazers like her? Coaches like Tom Janovich, 
like all of this. That that I think is what's lost. The Hall of Fame, yeah, we celebrate what they did on the field, but think about the imprint that they leave on sports even after they pass away. What's your legacy? I mean, take the Stephen Covey exercise and just apply it to a basketball career. Nothing surprises me more than Tim Duncan retiring and just kind of not being anywhere anymore. He made enough money. He has nothing to prove to anybody. He was a unique kind of mercurial fellow anyway. Him just kind of receding into his own life is so Tim Duncan. Kevin Garnett going into media seems to fit. Kobe was going to be around us. He was going to be a part of our sports fandom for a long, long time. But if you just apply the exercise to what they were doing in and around basketball, they still pass with flying colors. It wasn't about accumulation of stats. That was just a delivery mechanism that brought those one-of-a-kind as that was the phrase that I used in the first segment. It's actually the phrase that Vanessa used in the clip that we played you off the top of this segment. Basketball was a delivery mechanism that allowed Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, and the rest of that crew as well, but the three, just to speak about the three because of what an impressive trio that is. Basketball gave us a chance to get to know what they had inside of them when it came to athletics. And we, we knew a little bit about who they were. We got to see their personalities. That's, a, that's the goodness of the NBA is getting to actually see these guys, know more of them than we do pretty much any other sport. Fantasy has helped us with football, but the helmet always detracts from being able to recognize those guys on the street the same way we do NBA superstars. But yesterday was pretty amazing. It truly was. Amazing enough that a Hall of Fame induction just carried 40 minutes of a national radio show. Let's go to Brian Finley out in L.A., and uh, he could carry three hours of a radio show anytime he wants. B, what's up? I don't know about that. They go deep in the bullpen for me, Jason. Uh, Corey Seager sustained a fracture in his right hand in the Dodgers' 7-0 boat race of the Marlins on Saturday. The Marlins unload on the Indians 7-3. Dylan Moore hits a three-run blast in the fourth inning. The Padres stupefy the Cardinals 13-3. Adam Wainwright dozing on the mound with six earned runs in four innings. Also, Austin Nola with six RBI. The Blue Jays muffle the Phillies 4 to nothing. Philly free-falling with three airs. The Astros scale the Rangers 6-5. Houston secured four runs in that first inning. The Royals stress out the White Sox 5-1. Salvador Perez poking a three-run home run. Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, and six others tallied up the 2020 Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame class inducted on Saturday in a delayed ceremony. Kobe's widow Vanessa cathartically spoke at the event with a tribute to Kobe. Quote, you did it. You're in the Hall of Fame now. You're a true champ. You're not just an MVP. You're an all-time great. I'm so proud of you. I love you forever and always. Kobe Bean Bryant. Close quote. Kobe's Lakers toss aside the Pacers 122-115 to behind 24 points by LeBron James, who returned after missing six consecutive games with an iffy ankle. L.A. is currently seventh in the West, which would make them fit for the play-in tourney. However, the Blazers, yes, would take the sixth seed with a win later today against the Nuggets. But if Denver wins 
and the Lakers beat the Pelicans later today. Then L.A. goes to six and avoids the play-in tournament. The Bucks club the Heat 122-108. Milwaukee is third in the East. Miami is in sixth. The Suns pulverize the Spurs 140-103. Phoenix clings to that second spot in the conference, but still is in the running for that top seed. The Suns would need the Kings to beat the first-place Jazz later today. Good luck with that. As we send it back to our guy from Nashville, Jason Martin. Appreciate it, B. Welcome back. It is Jason Martin here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm in the Fox Sports Radio Studios, Nashville edition. People don't know this, but one of the reasons my husband played through injuries and pain was because he said he remembered being a little kid sitting in the nosebleeds with his dad to watch his favorite player play. And then she looked at MJ. He could recall the car ride, the convos, and the excitement of being lucky enough to have a seat in the arena. Kobe didn't want to disappoint his fans, especially the ones in the 300 section that saved up to watch him play. The kids with the same excitement he once had. I remember asking him why he couldn't sit a game out because he was hurting. He said, what about the fans who saved up to watch me play just once? He never forgot about his fans. If he could help it, he would play every minute of every game. He loved you all. So much. That was part of what Vanessa Bryant was saying. And that was, I mentioned that at the tail end of the first segment, the low management debate is out there. Kobe not only was great, Kobe was aware of how great he was. She joked about him being humble off the court because we know he wasn't humble on it. And he didn't have to be. That was what made him the Mamba. That's what the mentality was all about. He was an assassin. He was a killer. On the court. He understood the magnitude of stardom that he had. I don't know how comfortable he was in it, but he seemed to come across pretty smooth. And he recognized that with that, come some degree of responsibility to the fans that gave you a chance to make that living. And I think also maybe to the sport, because you're not doing the sport a service if you're disappointing its lifeblood in the seats. It doesn't mean that I look down on load management, guys that are taking legitimate days off where it makes sense. And these guys are huge investments and huge assets. And everything turns on an ankle or a knee or an elbow or a hip flexor or a thumb or a shoulder, all of that. I do love that Kobe recognized that the people in the seats were the reason why there was a game to play in the first place. And was able to remember what it was like before Kobe was Kobe when he was just a hopeful. Like so many of your kids might be right now. And he appreciated his role in helping their dreams come true. And at whatever age that might have been, and it could have even been adults, it's expensive to go to pro games. In any sport, especially one of those franchises. Kobe was aware of it and he didn't take it for granted. And he made sure that if you came, unless he just flat out couldn't, 
you were going to see Kobe Bryant play in a Los Angeles Lakers uniform, whether at the Staples Center or whether around your team in your market when he came to town. And I, th- I honestly believe that should be applauded. That kind of dedication and love for the craft and respect for the people that made it possible for him to do what he did. Just one more tribute to Kobe Bryant. We'll be back to finish up the first hour next. I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote good stuff and it actually fits chris did you do this on purpose no, I had it queued up for a while, but after what we just talked about, I figured it's a pretty good coincidence. I'm like, yeah, I hashtag. At it, I looked at some of the other stuff on the playlist. I'm like, you know, I mean, we'll you're a radio that. pro, Chris. That's right. Hashtag girl dad, little daughter from Pearl Jam. I dig it. I like it. I'm Jason Martin. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm on Twitter at jmartradio. Talked pretty much this whole hour about the basketball Hall of Fame inductions. Notable names: Paul Pierce. Um, Saw a few others. Chris Webber, there's a rumor he's already in, which is well-deserved. He's actually maybe my favorite player of all time. Absolutely love Chris Webber. Um, I did see there was a source out there that said he's already been, that it's a yes on him getting in, and that's uh, overdue and good to see. Here's my Tim Duncan story. I want to tell you this real quickly. We'll jump into the NFL here in the second hour. We'll talk We'll talk some Rodgers. I definitely want to talk Tebow and Urban Meyer and uh, the schedule and a lot of things, but I was born in Virginia, but grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, five miles ish away from Wake Forest. While Tim Duncan was there, is when I was in high school. So I was old enough to have a job 
when he was playing basketball at Wake Forest. And at that point in time, Wake Forest, that was a high ticket. To see him and to see Randolph Childress, and that was around the time Rodney Rogers was there. Dave Odom was the coach. I mean, they were loaded. This is before Chris Paul, but I mean, Chris Paul would certainly continue this tradition. He played high school ball in Winston-Salem at one of our rivals, one of my high school's rivals. I worked at a movie theater, doesn't exist now, called North Point Five. I worked at a lot of movie theaters, but I worked at North Point Five. I think it was the first one that I ever worked at. And Tim Duncan liked to go to the movies. I went to the ACC final in 95, ACC championship final. It was um, Wake Forest in North Carolina. The talent on that floor was absurd. The guys I just mentioned for Wake, and then you had just a ridiculous crew of guys for North Carolina. Jeff McGinnis, of course, famously getting wrong-footed by Randolph Childress on one of the nastiest crossovers you'll ever see, but Rashid and Jerry Stackhouse and Dante Calabria, just all just unbelievable talent everywhere. Tim Duncan came into the movie theater with his girlfriend at the time. I wasn't there. I had I was running an errand or I was outside or for whatever reason I didn't know Tim Duncan had been there. I came in and they told me Tim Duncan was there. I remember I had the shirt at home. I said, oh my gosh, I'd love to get him to sign my shirt. So I run home and I get the shirt. And I'm so nervous to even ask Tim Duncan or be in his presence that I give it to the other people that I'm working concessions with that day. As the macho high school junior, I think it would have been, that I was at the time. And say, can you, uh, if Tim if Tim comes out to get concessions, if he comes out to get a refill on popcorn, drink, whatever, can you get him to sign my shirt? I can't ask him. That's literally what happened. I left my shirt and went and made sure I was nowhere close to anything that was going on because I was so starstruck by Tim Duncan, the college player at Wake Forest. Little did I know how great he was going to be on the NBA level, but guess what? That shirt got signed that day. And guess what? I'm a moron because what I chose to do with that shirt was continue to wear it, which means it had to be continually laundered and I'm pretty sure that the signature is barely, if at all, legible on the back of that white Wake Forest 95 ACC championship shirt that I got from the Greensboro Coliseum, where I guess I got it the next day after that game. So Tim Duncan signed my shirt, and I'll always appreciate that autograph. Had no idea what I was doing. Just a reminder, kids are dumb. I was a fool. But Tim Duncan was a class act to do that for a nervous kid who couldn't even ask him in person for his autograph. We'll come back and talk about the NFL next. What's happening? Hour number two of the program, Jason Martin Show here on Fox Sports Radio across the country, wherever you happen to be. Glad that you've made us part of your morning. I'm Jason Martin. Crew is Bo, Chris, and Brian there in L.A. I'm here in Nashville. I'm on Twitter at jmartradio. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. Amazing because Discover's accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. So, one thing you can't say about Urban Meyer is that he's not going to do it his way. I mean, he's definitely going to do it his way. 
If he's going to go down, he's going to go down doing it Urban Meyer's way. I appreciate that. I'll say that. I watched this, and I think this might be a disaster. What's happening in Jacksonville. But at the same time, if you believe in Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback can overcome a multitude of sins. Can make a mediocre coach look good. Can make a good coach look great. Can make a good receiver look great. Can make a bad coach look passable. When you have a when you have a great quarterback and there's still not a whole lot of wins to show for it, a lot of times that's when you get that coach ousted pretty quickly. So Urban Meyer's made a couple of very unique decisions. One, the Iowa strength coach situation that one ended not particularly well. Just yesterday, he made the comments about, or I guess it would have been Friday, he made the comments about Travis Etienne being a hybrid player that he drafted in the first round, not because he was going to be a three-down running back, but because he could play wide receiver potentially, change his position, and also be a running back. That could be a smokescreen. He might be the guy toting the rock anyway. For James Robinson, unfortunately, despite how great James Robinson is, James Robinson has the mark of the undrafted on him. So he's going to continually have to reprove himself year after year, at least for a while, or in his own mind he's going to have to, even if it's not actually true and he's going to have a home in the league for five to ten years or whatever it is, he is never going to feel particularly comfortable about it. At least not until there's more stability than one year. And he had a great year, and then they go draft a running back in the first round. Trevor Lawrence's teammate, Travis Etienne. So those are a couple of the decisions that Urban Meyer has made. You've heard some of the comments that he's made and people surrounding him saying that Urban's not planning to try to win with X's and O's. He's trying to do like, almost like he's trying to recruit like it's in college. And the way he can bring in talent and all this other kind of stuff, it's just like, I'm not sure that's going to work out particularly well either. He seems to have a mentality that's college-based where that kind of stuff usually gets you beat and embarrassed fairly quickly in the National Football League. But Urban Meyer is no dummy. There's a method behind this madness. But the madness certainly reached its crescendo, at least when you look at the public response to it, with the Tim Tebow news of coming in to play tight end. And the last I looked, it wasn't official, but, and Urban's like, we're still trying to make a decision on it. I know I have to do that in the next few days, which makes you roll your eyes. It's like, well, we've been talking about this way too much at this point in time. Like this story got out the afternoon of the draft and then here we go. But like eight hours ago. Okay. So it still isn't done, right? Saturday, just yesterday, Meyer said, I've leaned on my staff for that. And I imagine a decision is going to be soon. We'll have a chat Sunday. I don't know exactly what they're trying to do here. And it could be to help Tebow avoid rookie minicamp on a tryout basis or whatever. I saw Florio point that out at Pro Football Talk. I don't know. Here's what I know about the Tebow thing. A whole lot more was said about this at the time earlier this week than needed to be said about this. Everybody had a giant opinion about it. 
And the reason why everybody had an opinion and felt the need to share it was because they understand people want to hear this story. Every time you talk about Tim Tebow, you get a fleet of messages from people, uh, doing what I do at least, you get a fleet of messages from people that are just like, this is dead and buried. Why would you dare talk about this? Nobody wants to hear this. Nobody's turning this off. It's unfortunate, perhaps, to you, but there's a reason why people continue to talk about it, and it's because he's a very compelling figure, and he's a polarizing figure. Tim Tebow is a world-class athlete. But is sports just his fantasy camp? And it always turns to his personality, and it turns to his faith, and it turns to the idea that He's not very humble at all. He's narcissistic because he won't just go away. My initial thinking on this was, he's not going to make the team. He could be on the 90-man roster, but he's not going to be on the 53, I don't think. Have stranger things happen? Yes. But I'm trying to figure this out from Urban's perspective. What is the benefit to this? You've put a giant spotlight on your football team just after taking control of the franchise. And there was already a spotlight there. This is the Trevor Lawrence show. That's what it's supposed to be. And maybe this is fine with him because... I talked to Andy Staples, the athletic, just a couple of days ago, who you know knows Trevor Lawrence's psyche pretty well, and he's like, I promise you, Trevor Lawrence doesn't care. He cares about his family. He cares about his faith. He does care about football, but he's not worried about anybody else in that room when it comes to like something that's going to stress him out or whatever like that. He's, he's going to roll with it no matter what it is. But it does take a little bit of the shine off of Trevor in terms of how much we're paying attention to him. And this is a rookie that's coming in with the most expectations. A rookie quarterback has entered the league with certainly since Andrew Luck, but maybe dating even further back than that. Might even be going to the Peyton Manning and the John Elway of it. Tim Tebow is a distraction. On the field, if you looked at I, Fox Bet sent us all, all the Fox employees sent us all an email when they put up the original lines for Tebow, and it was like the over-under was 19 and a half receiving yards for the rest of his career. So no one's anticipating this being some giant success on the field, so why are you doing this? It's hard to tell an elite athlete and a successful athlete that's achieved so much You can't do blank. If you remember Vanessa Bryant, when we played her audio there in the first hour at uh, Kobe's induction ceremony, she made the point that, you know, proving all the doubters, those, those that said you'd never make it, that you'd never get there, you proved them wrong, you win. That chip on the shoulder, whether it's genuine or manufactured, drives a lot of athletes. Tim Tebow, in the back of his mind, hates the fact that it seems like people were right about him in terms of being a quarterback on the NFL level. Now, he's not going to prove them wrong there by coming back and playing tight end, but he also has to be realistic. And it's been a long time, over 3,000 days since he's done anything 
football related, I believe. He's gone and played baseball. He made it to double A. Right around there was his ceiling for his age. If he had gone and played baseball originally, who knows? Maybe he would have made the major leagues. I don't think that was a failure of an experiment. It made sense for minor league baseball because minor league baseball is not about wins and losses. It's about communities. It's about getting guys ready for the next level and all of this. Did he take a roster spot? Yeah. Do I think that that was a good move for them to have him on the with the franchise? Yes. Do I think this is a good move? No, not particularly. And the one thing that I do not like about this is this insinuation that that Urban Meyer thinks that Tebow could be really good and galvanizing to the locker room because of his influence. We know what Tim Tebow's influence can be. But these are pros, Herb. These are guys making more money than you in most cases. These aren't the college kids that you can ignore. Because they're not starters for Ohio State or starters for Florida. These are dudes with contracts, with incentives. With people wearing their jerseys, idolizing them, seeing the lives that they're leading, paying attention to every breath they take. That's that's what you've inherited here. The power that you wield as an NFL coach compared to the power that you wielded as a top-line college football coach couldn't possibly be more different. Those guys don't need a motivational speech. Tebow speaking in Gainesville, that's one thing. Tebow speaking in Jacksonville to Trevor Lawrence. What? That insinuation, and I'm not even saying that that came directly from Urban, but it seemed like that's where the reporting was sort of indicating it was it was coming from. That's stupid. If you feel like you need to bring in some kind of motivational speaker, if you need to bring Matt Foley into Jacksonville, then this is not going to go very well, is it? Trevor Lawrence doesn't need to be motivated. James Robinson doesn't need to be motivated. Chenault and all these guys, are you going to be better because Tim Tebow's around you? Maybe, perhaps, in terms of like your psyche. He's not going to make things worse. He's not going to ruin the chemistry of your locker room unless he posts up in the quarterback room and barricades himself in until he gets named QB1, but that's not going to happen. The question is, what is the positive? What's the benefit to doing this if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars? What are the chances that he can play at this point in time at that position? I don't think they're very good. I also don't think there's much of a risk of this. The, the other thing I don't like, and this is on the flip side, is, oh, you're taking away a roster spot from some hungry person. Dude, it's the 90-man roster. Like, if you're good enough to make an NFL team, you're going to get an opportunity. This is a temporary deflection at best. I, I do not see a universe in which Tim Tebow is actually playing in an NFL game this fall. I don't. I don't understand the... Well, he's taken away from a young guy. The only reason he would actually take away a spot from somebody young is because he actually deserves the job himself because it would mean he's good enough. Now, if Urban brings him in and he's absolute trash, then we can then we can go after Urban Meyer a little bit more about this. But I don't like the idea that it's just sacrilegious to even do this. Like, if you want to bring him in, you're going to find out what we all found out probably 
which is, okay, if he had tried to play tight end originally, this might have worked out fairly well for him. He could have still been in the league if he had been a tight end originally coming out of Florida and not been so gung-ho and so stubborn about being a quarterback. Because again, that's what he was. That's what he wanted to be. You try telling an elite athlete that had won a Heisman Trophy, you can't do this anymore. I'll prove you wrong. I know I can be a quarterback. Well, you couldn't. So you've got a distraction, and then you've got a motivational speaker that's unnecessary on the NFL level. And then you've got the chances of actual contribution are pretty low. So what is this? Urban doesn't strike me as a guy that wants all the cameras around anybody other than potentially him. He doesn't need it. I don't think he wants to do hard knocks, but hard knocks in Jacksonville makes all the sense in the world if you've got Tebow and Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer all hanging out in camp. And whatever Travis Etienne's position is going to be next week, I guess it's going to be defensive end. Was he going to play nose tackle next? You know, bring him in as a hybrid. Is Percy Harvin getting a tryout also? Urban Meyer's going to do it his way. We're either going to end up calling him an utter genius or a miserable failure. And accompanying that latter description is going to be narcissism. It's like, how arrogant were you to believe that the way everyone had always done it in the NFL, that you were going to completely change the game in your first season by bringing in your most famous alumnus that ever played for you at Florida, a guy that you love, years and years after he had played his last NFL game at a position he had never really played after a baseball career that kind of sputtered out. And you've got the number one draft pick. That's why you took the job is because you had those you had the draft capital, but you mainly because you were going to get to coach Trevor Lawrence. And he may help you cover up some of this. But Jacksonville is becoming a tabloid, not a football team. All that'll change if they win games. Even if they I mean, even if they're good, they're gonna go what? Six and eleven? Seven and ten? I'm still getting used to saying all these things. That's still the biggest question for me about Urban Meyer. That's what I want to address when we come back, is how Urban Meyer is going to react to the reality of the National Football League. Tweet me at Radio. We'll be right back. I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back. Supersonic from Oasis. One of the great debut albums of all time right there. Definitely maybe. But you should definitely check it out. There's no maybe about it. I'm Jason Martin. This is the Jason Martin Show. I'm here in the Fox Sports Radio studios in Nashville. The crew doing the same in Los Angeles. I'm on Twitter at jmartradio. We were talking about Tebow in that first segment. And more about Urban Meyer than Tebow. Because the Tebow thing to me is more or less a distraction. I love Tim Tebow. I really do. I didn't necessarily want him to be my NFL quarterback. But I love everything else about him. But Urban Meyer, there's one thing. I actually looked this up during the break. Because the thing that that continues to just... I think this is the most fascinating thing about this whole experiment in Jacksonville. I'm excited to watch them. I'm excited to watch Trevor Lawrence because I think his career is going to be great. I hope it is. I want to see what he can do for that franchise. But Urban Meyer is such an engaging story. And I want to start it right here. I'm looking this up. Bill Belichick is 416 and 280. Is that right? No, 280 and 136 in 416 games. There it is. 280 wins, 136 losses. In his 21 years in New England, he's 244 and 92. In the playoffs, overall 43 games, 31 and 12, 30 and 11 with New England. So why am I telling you about Belichick's record? Are we about to talk about the Patriots? No, not necessarily. Urban Meyer... Seven years at Ohio State. Lost nine games. Nine. He won five bowl games, including college football championship in 2014. When you go back to Florida, he was there for six years. He lost 15 games. Five of them came in his last year, right before he left. Had to spend time with his family, that whole deal. Three of the four years before that, he lost one game a season. The biggest question about what might happen in Jacksonville relative to Urban Meyer is how does he handle being in a league where losing is inevitable? 17-game seasons. But go back, obviously, we're about to experience that for the first time, but let's just look at the 16-game seasons. 
I mean, look at Bill Belichick. This was a guy who's as good as it gets. Maybe the greatest coach, not just in NFL history, but in pro sports history in America. He's on the short list. This is a guy that lost four games in 2012, four in 2013, four in 2014, four in 2015, five in 2018, four in 2019. Three of those ended in Super Bowls. And that's as good as it gets, right? Like, there's not a lot of teams that are year after year going 12 and four. And then, of course, they had the 14 and two in 2016 as well. And they had the greatest quarterback of all time, one of the greatest winners of all time, and Tom Brady married to Belichick there throughout that time frame. But you can go through and you can look at coaching records, not just Belichick. I just looked at him because he is the top of the mountain. Urban Meyer is not used to losing. And if you've read anything about Urban Meyer, or if you've ever spoken to anyone who has been around him, they're all going to tell you that he can't handle it. He doesn't do losing well at all. It affects him. It affects him physically. It affects him psychologically. It's painful to him. You go back and you think about Doug Collins. Successful, good NBA coach, but he would wear on his guys because he was so almost too competitive, too driven to win in an unhealthy fashion to where he even admitted, yeah, you know, when I coach, it's not really healthy for me. Blood pressure goes up, all of that kind of stuff. Urban Meyer lost nine games in seven years at Ohio State. He's going to lose double-digit games this year. He might lose double-digit games for a couple of years. Even if they're even if they have the greatest season you could ever imagine, a rookie team with all of these changes and everything else going through. I mean, what are they? Seven and ten? Eight and nine, maybe? And that's like I'm talking ceiling kind of stuff right there. That's probably Trevor Lawrence's rookie of the year. You're looking at him like, holy cow, this is gonna be good. How does a guy that's not used to losing and that doesn't do it well, not that anybody in sports should do it well, but you know what I'm saying here. I'm saying to a unhealthy degree, Urban Meyer doesn't do losing well. How does he react to a universe in which losing is the norm? You have a great season oftentimes at 10 and 6 in the NFL. 11-5 11-5 and is a godsend. I mean, this is a guy in Urban Meyer who, when's the last time he lost five games? It was probably that last season at Florida. And what happened then? He took time off and then came back to Ohio State. He, You know what? I'm looking at his career record dating back to 2001 at Bowling Green State. He's only lost five games once in his entire career, and that was the year at Florida which led him to go spend more time with his family. Is there a coincidence to the fact that that's when he took time off? For his career, 3 3 2 0, 3 1 4, 1 1 5, takes time off, goes spend time with the family, comes back undefeated, 2 1 1 2 2 1, and now we roll. He's lost in his entire career 32 football games in 17 years. 
Six of them came at Bowling Green State. Two of them came at Utah. Fifteen came in the SEC in Florida in 80 games coached. He had an 813 win percentage at Florida. A 90 win percentage at Ohio State. A 91 win percentage at Utah. The worst he ever was was 73 at Bowling Green. And he's going into a league where losing five games is is nothing. It's a positive. I just don't know how his mind is going to deal with that. That's what I want to know. And maybe it's going to be fine and it's it's an easier adjustment than I'm looking at it. But you're talking about a guy that's gotten used to a certain way of life as a coach that has to almost completely forget everything. One thing that you'll find, like if you, all right, so I'm taking golf lessons right now. One thing that my coach loves is that I didn't have a swing when I got there. I hadn't been doing it wrong for 15 years. I hadn't been on the course. I wasn't physically able to do it for a long time because I was so overweight. But I just, I couldn't figure it out. That's why I decided to take lessons. But he was able to build my swing from the ground up, and he's just like, it's so much easier because I don't have to untrain bad habits out of you, right? Like, you were a blank slate. You came to me, the swing, like you didn't even know how to hold a golf club properly. You didn't have a swing for me to, you know, decentralize and break down, decompose. Like, nothing, we were able to do this from the start. Urban Meyer's gotten used. He, he's coming in with a bad swing. He's coming in with a great-looking swing, but a swing that now has to change. How do you do that? When you've been as successful as Urban Meyer has been. And what happens if the train goes off the tracks early and you're 1-6 six, seven weeks into the season? What tends to happen is panic. When panic sets in, and this isn't just in football, it's in anything, bad decisions are made, rash decisions are made, changes are made. Look at the worst run organizations, at least over the last 20 or 30 years. Look at the Browns and how many quarterbacks they ran through. How many coaches they ran through. How many coordinators. Look at the Jets. Look at the worst run franchises. And you'll see the reaction of panic. Very, very few times has someone been left there long enough to actually prove, okay, yeah, that guy failed. Now, when you make bad hires, you you should step away from them as soon as you feel confident that you've made the wrong one. Freddie Kitchens, that was the wrong hire. You had to get away from that. But do you think there have probably been a couple of coaches along the line in Cleveland that got a raw deal? Because I certainly do. So change has to be made. And if you're the Browns, like, we've got to win. and We've gotten it wrong again. We've got to move on again after one year. We draft a a graveyard full of quarterbacks. Make other bad personnel decisions around them. Now you have something going there, so I'm making an example that's not of the present Browns. Maybe they've actually broken this cycle with Kevin Stefanski, and he's been able to kind of 
get across to Baker Mayfield how he needs to play in order for that team to succeed, and they've drafted well over the last couple of years. But Urban Meyer, if he acts like those organizations when things go south, and they're going to go south. They may not go south in week one. NFL did a real smart thing with the schedule. We're going to put Jacksonville against Houston week one. It's a division game, but nobody cares. What we care about is, let's get Trevor Lawrence a spot where he can succeed early. Let's give Jacksonville a chance to go 1-0 and because they're, they're going to move the needle, I think. People are going to pay attention to him. It's not a team anybody's ever cared about before, but you add Urban Meyer and you add Trevor Lawrence, you add what they're doing here in the offseason, they are becoming, like I said, a tabloid more than they are a football organization. The last team I said that about, by the way, was the Raiders when they did the Gruden-Mayock experiment, which is not proving to work out great. But Jacksonville becomes one of the most interesting teams in the league. If they start out 1-0, then that's good for the league. If they start out 0-1, that's good for all of us, because then we can sit here and start to second-guess. Hopefully we won't that soon. But Urban Meyer's not going to get a very long leash in the media, I don't think. Not that he didn't endear himself to a lot of people in media. He was good on TV, and he knew how to play the political game. The leash is going to be small, because that's just how it works in the NFL. And... Usually, the given for college football, like, giant personalities to end up in the NFL is that people can't wait for them to fail so that they can say college coaches don't work in the NFL. Now, we're seeing the college offenses spill into the NFL more than ever before. So now you're going to see more success. You're going to see more. I think Matt Rule's probably going to succeed. Is it going to be Belichick? I mean, whoever has been. I think if Lincoln Riley were to leave college and go to the pros, he would probably be successful. But you're seeing it still fail also. I don't think Kingsbury will be there next year. I think this will be his final season because they're not going to get out of that offense and that talent what they should get out of that offense and that talent. But it's fascinating. It's really interesting. Before you ever even get to Trevor and the team, how urban psyche is going to deal with losing a third of his games every year. At best, that's if things are going great. And they won't be in that first year. Can his mind shut up enough? Can he find patience? Because he's always been impatient. He's always been... I got to win. I lost five games at Florida. It's time to go spend time with my family. I'm having heart issues. I've got to go home. Two years from there, I'm going to Ohio State and I'm winning big again. It's really interesting. Let's go to Finley. Let's go out in LA and find out what's going on in the world of sports, including Hall of Fame inductions and the end of the NBA season. Yeah, a whole lot going on, Jason. And we begin with baseball, where Corey Seager sustained a fracture in his right hand when he was hit by a pitch in the fifth inning last night in the Dodgers' 7 nothing demolition of the Marlins. The Mariners haunt the Indians 7-3. Dylan Moore hits a three-run homer in the fourth inning. The Padres disfigure the Cardinals 13-3. Adam Wainwright belly-flopping on the mound with six earned runs in four innings. The Blue Jays slight the Phillies 4 nothing. Phillies 
nearly costing themselves with three errors. The Astros outdo the Rangers 6-5. Houston secured four runs in the first inning. The Royals take down the White Sox 5-1. Salvador Perez poking a three-run blast. Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, six others adding up to the 2020 Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame class. Inducted on Saturday in a delayed ceremony, Kobe's widow Vanessa speaking on behalf of Kobe. I remember asking him why he couldn't just sit a game out because he was hurting. He said, what about the fans that saved up to watch me play just once? He never forgot about his fans. If he could help it, he would play every minute of every game. He loved you all so much. Kobe would have been proud of his Lakers yesterday as they outlast the Pacers 122 to 115. 24 points by LeBron James. LA is currently in seventh in the West. That makes them fit for the play-in tourney, but they can avoid that with a win later today against the Pelicans, along with the Blazers losing to the Nuggets. The Bucks sock the Heat 122 to 108. Milwaukee situates third in the East. Miami dangles to sixth. The Suns rock the Spurs 140 to 103. Phoenix second spot in the conference. They can get to number one if the Suns watch the Kings beat the first place Jazz later today. The Celtics carve up the Timberwolves 124 to 108. Boston is in seventh in the East and they're locked in for the play-in tourney. The Knicks jolt by the Hornets 118-109 in overtime. New York climbs to a tie for fourth in the East with the Hawks and finally the Nets put the clamps on the Bulls 105 to 91. Brooklyn secures the two seed with a win later today or a Bucks loss as they send it back to Jason Martin where Brooklyn for I think only the eighth game all season had their big three playing so we'll see if the the lack of camaraderie and being on the court at the same time will affect these guys come postseason it may be unpopular but the NBA should pray that they don't win the championship (laughs) because why would you ever watch the regular season in the NBA again how could you how could you make that argument ever again Finley before before you move past um what are your thoughts on Urban Meyer in Jacksonville? Yeah, so I did a little blurb about this. I think that Urban Meyer is somebody who is using, particularly, we talked about the whole Tim Tebow situation. He's using Tim Tebow as a pawn here because Meyer is not good with pressure. You pointed this out, Jason, where several times in his career, he felt like he needed an excuse to escape, like it was a heart issue or it was anxiety. And I think that he needs somebody to help dilute the media scrutiny. And a guy like Tim Tebow can come in and carry some of that weight, carry some of that burden, so that the media is always... I mean, Tim Tebow, all he has to do, Jason, is wake up and brush his teeth, and that is like national news. And so if you have a guy around like that, then I think that it's going to allow Urban Meyer to calm down a little bit because he is going to have to do weekly yoga classes because if not, and things go awry or don't go to his perfectionist militaristic standards right away somebody has got to check on him because of his anxiety and how much that could stress him out and take a toll on his body how long do you think he's an nfl coach do you think three years from now we're still talking about urban meyer in the nfl or do you think this experiment doesn't work it all depends upon the health of the of the quarterback. I think that Trevor Lawrence has to be healthy, the other guys around him as well, but it's no done deal. We look at Urban Meyer as this messiah, this savior who did so well in college, but Jason, you know there are a lot of college coaches that have belly flopped when making the rounds in the NFL. Let's not forget what Nick Saban did. 
and, and how poor that went. Mm-hmm. And then he came back to Alabama and did all of these things. And so you see the way that Urban Meyer hires. You talked about the strength and conditioning coach and how that was not a good decision on his part. So he has a lot of learning to do. I know he's been trying to coach himself up. But there is no guarantee that this is going to work out. And there's also a lot of pressure on Urban Meyer to see that Trevor Lawrence lives up to all the hype. So not only does Urban Meyer have to deal with the hype of this team, but everybody's looking at Trevor Lawrence to succeed. And if he doesn't live up to that hype right away, then more pressure on Urban Meyer. And he seems seemingly does not do well when he has a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of turmoil and adversity, and then he wants to, to run and find find a way to escape well said the same questions i just asked finley i want to ask uh chris and Bo when we come back out of this uh out of this break I, again i think the the most fascinating thing it's certainly gonna be fun to watch trevor and and what happens there but it's urban's mind it's the psyche of a league where you are going to lose and not just once a season if you're the best of all time, maybe you have a season where you lose two. Maybe that happens once. Maybe it happens twice in a career. But this is a dude that lost nine games in seven years at Ohio State, at least in a regular season. That ain't going to happen in the NFL. And what does that do to a guy that's become accustomed to a certain standard of living as a coach of football because this league ain't that league. We'll be right back. I'm Jason Martin, and this is Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Interesting. I had Blues Traveler. Had my producer in Nashville play that a few days ago on our show. Now Chris is playing and coming back from break, and they announced they're playing a show like 30 miles from here. 
Uh, Need more harmonica in our life. I agree, man. John Popper, get it done. It was really only two songs people knew him for, but man, they made a lot of money touring and festivals and stuff like that. Harmonica is a positive. I agree. It's Jason Martin, Jason Martin Show on Twitter at JMart Radio. So we talked Tebow and we talked Urban this hour. We talked a lot of NBA Hall of Fame in the first hour. We'll talk Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk Deshaun. We'll jump into a myriad of topics in the third hour of the show, but I did want to bring in the crew here for a couple of minutes. Chris, when I say Urban Meyer, Jacksonville, all of what you've seen thus far, and maybe my case that I made that the most interesting thing is how he's going to handle a league in which he's going to lose when that hadn't worked out for him. How do you feel this experiment has gone and is going to go? So there is a bit of a sensation that he is a little in over his head, but that's also me maybe being a little unfair to him. Uh, I, I'm not as worried on the losses. I think he probably is bracing himself for a longer season in that regard, but it's not even the Tebow thing that really bothers me. I think we all see what it is. I I think everyone talking about trying to talk about who Tebow is misses the point that this is just this is just straight nepotism. It's a guy giving a final shot to a guy who made him a lot of money from college. Uh, Tebow's not going to make the final 53-man roster. There, there's no way he's going to make that roster. He's right. just not skilled enough. The, the thing that did give me pause is several things, and why I say Urban Meyer might be in over his head is it's other things that he said. He First, he said that he doesn't like the idea of free agency in the NFL, which, I mean, I don't know what Good to say. Good luck with that. Man. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you don't like the idea of guys wanting to get paid as their main motivating factor, uh, I've, got, I've got news for you. And then I think what's bugging me now is how he's worked Travis Etienne in here, that he's making him line up a lot at wide receiver. That's a very college thing to do, and... I, it's I, I don't know. I, I think Jacksonville, they're investing in their defensive backs again, but this is going to be a rough road, and I think we're all just kind of shrugging and thinking either Urban Meyer will do right by Jacksonville and somehow just fix it because he's Urban Meyer, and I just don't see it. It's it's a it's a rough division for him coming up, and yeah, I don't know. the As you say, college coaches, I mean, one of the greatest NFL coaches was a college coach and Jimmy Johnson. That's right. But a lot of other guys haven't made that work. I think Matt Rule has worked out. But, I mean, as you say, the big the big names, and it's the big personalities. It's Spurrier. It's Saban. That just hasn't worked out. So, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I don't paint it well, but I think a lot of uh, NFL coaches in general also don't do well either. So it's not like the college coaches are singularly un- unequipped to handle the NFL. They're just part of the larger statistic, which is most NFL coaches don't work out. And if you're for the Jacksonville Jaguars, traditionally you don't work out. Yeah. It just, yeah. I mean, it could be Jimmy Johnson. It could be any number of other folks. Um, it just depends on how he's wired. It depends on whether or not he has figured out the differences and how quickly he does, and if it's okay once he gets there. I, I don't know how that's going to go. I am really interested to watch the Jacksonville Jaguars this year, and it's not just to watch them fall on their face. I don't know exactly how it's going to go. I think it's going to be a work in progress, but at least you have a quarterback that's interesting, and you've got a bunch of storylines for that team, and it's not just the defense sniping each other and all this kind of stuff. There's a there's a little bit of a celebrity factor here. Now, is it a plus or a minus? In the case of Urban Meyer, I'm not sure that we can answer that without just pure speculation right now. What he's done this week and what he's done since taking that job indicates he's going to do it his way. 
Now, is his way a college way that's not going to fly in the NFL? Maybe. Maybe. But at least he's going to do it his way. I appreciate that, even if I'm skeptical it'll work. What's happening? Happy Sunday to you. I'm Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. I'm in the Fox Sports Radio studios. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. My wonderful crew. Spinning the Dodge Radio style for me out in Los Angeles. That's Chris Perfett. That's Bo Benson. That's Brian Fenley. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. That's amazing. Discover now accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. That's why it's amazing. Now it's a really good deal. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations do apply. NFL schedule came out. Interesting things there to be found, including Washington finishing off their season with five division games. I didn't even realize that until Friday. I had somebody tell me that, and I was just like, wait a second, what? And then I went and looked at the actual schedule for the Washington football team. And you want to talk about stakes down the stretch. Five division games to close the season. That can't be something that happens very easy, very often. It starts on December the 12th. They play the Cowboys, then they play at the Eagles, at the Cowboys, Eagles, and at Giants to finish the season. So, yeah. That is really, really, really unique. That's the first time NFC East has finished with the five straight division games for a team since 1970, which was the first year, the inaugural year of the NFC East. Washington that year had six in a row, but the most since 1970 until this year was three. So what that means is even if it looks really good for another one of the teams in that division, Washington's going to have the opportunity to come back and win that division because they're going to have, like they could, they could be pretty terrible, right? Or just very mediocre. Not in the wild card hunt, but still win that division very easily if they just got hot at the right time down the stretch. Now, they're going to have it tough. They play Mahomes, they play Rodgers, they play Brady, they play Russell Wilson. And they're rolling with Fitzpatrick, at least for right now. We don't know what will happen after June 1st. But that was one of the takeaways from the schedule. The other one was... The Packers having a lot of primetime and late afternoon national games, which led a lot of people to speculate. And I won't lie, I certainly considered it as well. Does the league believe Aaron Rodgers is staying put? Because it seems like the worm has turned in terms of the perception. It seemed everybody was, everybody you heard from, everybody that did an interview. Every media person that you saw, every reporter all said, yeah, I don't think this is fixable. And now everybody seems to be betting that it is fixable. And the NFL is certainly behaving as if Green Bay is going to have, there's going to be a reason to watch Green Bay. And I don't think they're doing that based on Jordan Love or Blake Bortles or anybody else that they're going to try out at quarterback. I think they are under the impression or they're operating under the assumption that Aaron Rodgers is going to be under center or in the gun for the Green Bay Packers this season. I increasingly think they could be right, but I'm sticking by my guns. 
I still believe he's going to be a Denver Bronco. Maybe that's my homerism because I'm a Broncos fan. It could be. If he leaves, I still think it's the best spot. It won't happen until after June 1st because of the dead cap money change. The other thought is this, and I talked to Mike Sando, the athletic, about this a couple of days ago. If you're Green Bay, would you be willing to tell Aaron Rodgers to sit at the house for a year? All right, we'll trade you. We're not going to trade you until after this season. That way we can see the draft order, and that way we can ensure that we get not just a number one pick, but a really, really high first-round draft pick. We get a haul as opposed to a team that you go to. And I made this argument a couple of weeks ago, if you heard me, if you were listening to the program, I said, if you were going to trade him, why wouldn't you try to trade him before this draft? Because this, the thought would be, whoever you trade him to is probably going to be a much better spot to win a bunch of games and then make whatever draft pick you get worse. But this philosophy, if you think Jordan Love can play, and if you're stubborn enough Do you send Aaron Rodgers home? Because, all right, if you're Green Bay and you make that decision, if Aaron Rodgers is still dug in, if John Kuhn and what he said is wrong, and the thing about this that is most interesting is that Rodgers hasn't said a word. It doesn't seem like anybody from his camp has said a word. There's a whole lot of people saying they know Aaron Rodgers and they think they know what he's going to do, but he's been dead quiet. So that leaves us all to try and wonder what's going to happen. But if you're Green Bay, right, you think about it. You send him to the house. There's two possible things here. One, you get a trade out of him next year for a high, a team that's very high in the draft or somebody that's willing to give up a pick and maybe even in the top five, certainly in the top ten, you would think, to go get, at least right now, the reigning MVP of the league. Or... Aaron Rodgers gets FOMO while he's sitting at the house and he finds a way to work himself back into the fold. What have we learned about Rodgers even over the last handful of days? He wants security. Money is not about the money itself. He's made over $240 million in his career. He has State Farm money. He's taken care of his wife makes a good living or his soon-to-be wife Shailene Woodley makes a good living as well they're okay their kids are okay their grandkids are okay their great-grandkids are okay it's what money represents have you ever heard the phrase or the sentence it's the principle of the thing that's what it is for Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers wants to be Loved, he wants to be cherished, he wants to be treasured, he wants to be honored, and he wants to, he wants in his own mind to feel like he's he man. I have the power. And the way the Packers have behaved, the way that they've drafted, it's is it's as if year after year they tell him, No, no, bro, we've got the power. Green Bay is bigger than Aaron Rodgers, just like it was bigger than Brett Favre. We're still going to be here after you leave. They draft Jordan Love. And what's, what's so amazing 
is how, look, there's not a whole lot of things that we have in common with Aaron Rodgers past, like, the baseline, obvious, like, the biology and all that kind of thing, but the life that he lives, like, I don't know what that life is. Maybe he's a much more down-to-earth dude, and maybe there's a lot of things we have in common. I have no idea. But the one thing we all have in common is we do want to be loved and we do want security. When you go back to Tom Brady in New England, he wanted to be loved. He wanted to be respected. Aaron Rodgers wants the security of knowing he's the Green Bay Packers guy for the foreseeable future. Not for a year. You drafted a guy at my position instead of somebody that could have helped me in his own mind. And I don't want you to turn the page and I need you to commit to me right now. And the best way to do that, the token can't be an engagement ring. It can't be a diamond. It's just money. Money is symbolic. Being the highest paid quarterback, that's nice and all, but for Aaron Rodgers, he wants control and security. That's why Dan Patrick made that, it would have sounded outlandish, but that you could actually see that being part of Aaron Rodgers' psyche, which is what he said was, what Dan Patrick said was, why not make Aaron Rodgers the general manager of the Green Bay Packers? First off, I would say the reason why not is because at that point in time, you have given up control of your franchise forever. You can't have any respect for that anymore. Back to Captain America, the first Avenger. Once they see you running, they'll never let you stop. Once you do that, once that floodgate is open, there's no way to close it. The horse has already left the barn. No reason to try and, and, and Katie bar those doors anymore. But Aaron Rodgers, who wants to be loved and wants security and wants power, how much power do you have if you're sitting at home if Jordan Love gasp doesn't stink? And maybe he does, right? If anybody would know what Jordan Love is capable of right now, it might be Aaron Rodgers because he's probably seen him. I read Tyler Dunn's piece. I've read and listened to some people that swear by Jordan Love. And then I've read people that are very adamant that the Packers have created a smokescreen here in order to drive the price up for Aaron Rodgers or to beat the grass to startle the snakes. But if you consider it again, if you're Green Bay, as Mike Sando mentioned to me, he goes, if you're Green Bay, why not make him sit out a year? If you make him sit out a year, the next year you can be in much more control over what draft pick you actually get because you can see how the season plays out. You can see who's bad. You can see who's going to be in the market. You can see what you can get back. And it's not just in the players that are on rookie deals right now. Like if you go with Denver, you're probably getting Patrick Sertan, one would think. If that's what you wanted and that's what you would have drafted in that spot, then maybe you can have that argument. But if you need something else, if you're wanting something else, Aaron Rodgers should be able to to fetch you a higher draft pick than even nine would have this past year. But now if you were to trade him to Denver, you're probably trading him to a guy that at worst is going to go, what, 11-6, and six, something like that in Denver? They're going to give back a couple of pieces that are good. Young players, maybe a wide receiver like a Judy or somebody like that. Maybe Green Bay would even want Von Miller. I don't know. 
but Denver's going to lose some talent for Aaron Rodgers to walk into. He's not going to have the exact roster he's looking at right now in Denver or in Las Vegas or in Miami or anywhere else he could land. But next year, Green Bay could control the draft pick they get back, knowing it in advance. That's why you don't make the draft. That's why you don't make the decision now, because you want to try and work it out. But if you can't, it's actually more beneficial to you to wait until next year. Do I think that's what they're going to do? No, because it takes it takes... It takes sacks that clank to make that decision. That's a bold decision if you're an organization to say, Aaron Rodgers, bump it, head to the cut. We'll talk to you next year. We own you for three more years. You sign the contract. Let's see how this goes for you in the court of public opinion. Go to the house. We're going to start the second year Utah State Wonderkind. And then we see what happens with Aaron Rodgers. So I talked about Urban Meyer's psyche last hour and how he's going to get used to actually losing when he lost nine games in seven years at Ohio State. How does Aaron Rodgers react if Jordan Love is actually decent and Green Bay's not a dumpster fire on the field if he goes home? Is he able to take that? Or does he have to come back and prove it? Because again, it's about being loved. It's about control. It's about legacy. It's about being regarded as one of those guys. It's about not being a one Super Bowl winning quarterback, a multiple guy. He wants to be a multiple guy. So if you're Green Bay, even though I still think all the leverage is Aaron Rodgers, because if you're willing to walk away or if you're willing to sit out, then no one has any leverage over you. When you've made that kind of money, nobody really has that much leverage over you. But it depends on what your mind and your heart want. And the indicators are, in the case of Aaron Rodgers, it's about security. It's about job security for the future. Green Bay's made this aggressive offer, but he's already turned down a huge contract offer that reportedly they made a few weeks ago. That indicated it's not about the money. It's about the principle of the thing. And it's about what underlies the symbolic dollar signs. It's a commitment. Not for today, but I want to be here for years and I want you to commit to that now. And at his age, he's betting on himself because he's Aaron Rodgers. There are very few people at his age that could command this and potentially get it. And maybe he's going to. His silence is deafening. Eventually he's going to have to say something or somebody's going to have to say something. And I'm not talking about John Kuhn. I'm talking about something more official than that. I've heard a lot of his teammates say different things or past teammates, what they think he's going to do. I take all of that with a grain of salt because if you're playing there now, you probably want him back. From everything you've ever heard, he's a great teammate. And people love to play with him. Usually you just don't want to coach him or you don't want to deal with him in the front office because he thinks he's smarter than you. Any article that you've ever read about Aaron Rodgers says that. He has a hard time with coaches and, and general managers and all this kind of stuff because he believes he's, he's smarter than all of them. He has a better football IQ and he understands things better. There's dudes in the NBA. I think Jordan was that way too. It's hard to coach Jordan. Phil Jackson was able to do it, but Michael Jordan thought he was the smartest guy in the world. And it's kind of hard to argue with it. And it's kind of hard to argue with it when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. When you get to that level of greatness, 
Imagine having the control that would lead people that make a living stating opinions and somebody that's Hall of Fame level talent like Dan Patrick to just flat out say, yeah, well, this might sound preposterous, but what if you just made him the general manager? Like, it sounds insane, but it would definitely play right to the side of his ego that it seems like he needs stroked right now. We'll be right back. We'll talk about Deshaun Watson and we'll talk more about the NFL schedule next. I'm Jason Martin and this is Fox Sports Radio. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back in Fox Sports Radio Studios. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartradio. That's where you can find me. Glad to have you with us, wherever you happen to be. So I've been cautious, just like everybody, about the Deshaun Watson thing because it's going to play out, and then we're actually, hopefully, going to have some idea of what happened. But I do have a couple of opinions. After watching sort of what's happened in the last couple of days, it got real quiet. Rich Eisen made a point on his show last week that it being this quiet, he made this similar point about Aaron Rodgers and what was going on there, but what he said about... The Deshaun thing was, they're clearly, we're about to get to the end of this. They're settling. There's something going on behind closed doors right now because all of a sudden nothing was being said. Well, now things are being said again. And the things that are being said just kind of have me scratching my head. Are they settling or are they not? 22 women have filed civil suits against Deshaun Watson. Tony Busby is the only name that you know in this story outside of maybe Solace, the one girl that talked, the one woman that talked on TV, but I bet you didn't even know her name. If you know anybody here, you probably know Rusty Harden, but you may know Tony Busby. He's the attorney for the 22 women. 
He had said in the past, nope, no way there's going to be a settlement here with Deshaun Watson. Rusty Harden, who's representing Deshaun, said that Busby's firm had come to them about a possible settlement. And he said at the same time, look, we never approached Busby. We never approached the plaintiffs, the accusers here. We never accused you. We never came to you about a settlement. You came to us. And Busby has fired back and said, contrary to what Mr. Rusty says, we haven't approached them to settle ever. And then ESPN puts out a report and says, yeah, well, I don't know that that's true because, and this is straight from ESPN, a member of the team representing the women suing Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson recently reached out to Watson's legal team to discuss the case, according to text messages and a recording reviewed by ESPN. And this team member, allegedly, if you go and you look at the texts and the recording, I have not seen them directly, but this is... ESPN saying that if you look at the the evidence that's out there right now about this, the member that approached Watson's legal team was discussing, quote, working things out, unquote, between the two parties. And Busby hasn't commented on it, hasn't responded to ESPN when they tried to get a comment on it either. So I don't know, but I tend to think they probably are trying to settle. I'd seen another report that some of the women just kind of wanted it over with. And maybe they they wanted a little bit of money on the way out the door here. I don't know exactly how this is going to end. My initial observation, not knowing what's true or false about the allegations themselves, is that Tony Busby is trying to win in the court of public opinion. He's trying to, because there was another piece of this, where he said that some of the women were disappointed in the way the NFL was treating them during the investigation, like during questioning sessions and all this. I have no idea what that means. It all goes to show what many of us have said for years, which is the NFL getting involved in criminal investigations is usually not a smart play. Now, the woman that they have sort of in charge of this side of it has a lot of experience with sex crimes, has a lot of experience outside the NFL confines, and that's good. But you think about the budget required to go after something like this. And there's there's always a good many incidents, I'm not talking of the criminal variety, but there's just a lot of things going on in the NFL where a law firm can devote a ton of resources to a case of this high profile. I just don't necessarily need the National Football League doing criminal investigations. I would rather see the NFL back off, wait to see what the justice system decides, wait to see what happens between the two sides, and then react accordingly. And then if you want to suspend it for conduct detrimental, I would imagine even if this thing gets settled, he's probably out for a month. Unless it actually is revealed he did nothing wrong. I don't think that is going to happen. But what is Busby doing when he says that the women were disappointed in the NFL, upset with their treatment? He's trying to make them even further victims. He's trying to make his side even more sympathetic. It's not going to play in a in a courtroom. There's no courtroom to be in right now. But maybe it's going to get some more attention on social media. And what would respect or being disrespected mean? Does that mean that the NFL asked questions and didn't just blindly 
believe every word that these women said. I don't know what it means. That's what I'm saying. That's a real vague statement. But it's a statement that's designed to paint one side as a hero and one side as a clear villain and even the investigative arm that would dare question the veracity of the hero's side makes them even more villainous. My biggest observation, though, is this. I don't know what's true, but the way it's playing out, Tony Busby seems like he's in this for Tony Busby. Doesn't mean what he's doing is wrong. Doesn't mean he's not representing legit victims. I hope the truth comes out. We all do. And I hope that these women are lying. I hope that every one of them is lying, as horrible as that is, to have done that to someone in the public eye. I would love to believe all of them are lying because it means none of them were sexually assaulted. Between the two, I'll take the lie. I would love that the, I would love for there to be a third option, but it seems like there's not one. It was either consensual or it wasn't, and there was contact or there wasn't. But Busby is acting scuzzy. He's acting He's acting in a way that makes me not believe him. I find it hard to believe that nothing happened. I don't know if it goes to the level of actual lawsuits or anything, but there's there's some things happening here. There's some things that that went on between Deshaun Watson and these massage therapists that probably shouldn't have gone on. I think that's reasonable to say out loud. That's as far as I will go with it because I don't know for sure. But Busby is trying to win over everyone to their cause to make them say, oh, I feel so sorry for these women. But at the same time, it's all about him. He said he's going to drop these bombshells, and they really haven't happened yet. And now he's saying, oh, well, all these women are about to talk to the police after none of them had, and now it's like, well, maybe eight of them already have or whatever else. Then you hear, well, settlement is coming. Then you hear, I would never settle. And then you hear, they already called about a settlement. And then you hear, that's a lie. And then you hear, oh, we have text messages and recordings that indicate that indeed somebody with this team did. And then Busby's like, well, I'm the only one that could make a settlement. I had seen that, like he had said that in advance of all this. He had said something to the effect of, well, I'm the only guy in this firm that could actually make settlement offers or anything else like that. Which is an interesting thing to say in advance of finding out that somebody on the team had reached out to Watson's side, at least according to the ESPN report. There's still a lot that we don't know, and we don't know exactly how this is going to end, but the longer it goes, the worse it looks for the prosecution here. Now, maybe we're just going to learn a lot at one time, and then it's just going to flip, and that's going to be curtains for Deshaun. If you ask me to predict it today, I don't think Deshaun Watson, I know he's not going to play to start this season, Each day that passes, I start to think maybe there's another, maybe 1% chance going in in a positive direction that we would see him play before the end of the year. If you want to ask a football question about Deshaun, let's say he does come back. Let's say there is a settlement, and settlement is going to mean guilt to a lot of people. But 
I have come to learn through the years that settlement often means I just don't want the hassle with this. I don't want this to go to court just because I fear what could happen even if I'm in the right. It might sound gutless, but a lot of times it turns out to be prudent. But when you settle, it's synonymous with guilt in any eyes of some. Deshaun Watson, who I think most of us were on his side in the situation with the Texans. Not everybody was, but I think the majority of us were. We saw how badly run that franchise was, and if you read into it more, you realized how disrespected Deshaun Watson was through this process. Now, if you're the Texans, do you think Deshaun Watson will stay because nobody's going to want to touch him as a trade partner now? Is he that bad an asset, at least for the short term? Or is he just going to back off and be thankful he's still got a job? I don't think he ever plays for the Texans again. I don't think that changes. But a lot of other things have changed. And who knows how they've affected Deshaun Watson. You want to talk about Aaron Rodgers being quiet. I haven't heard or seen anything from anyone that knows Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I've, I've heard a few things from Rusty Harden, but I mean, none of Deshaun's friends have talked about this. No one in the league, even like leaks or anything that get out from locker rooms, none of that's been out there. Like, it's been as buttoned up as buttoned up could be. Which means, again, we're either just going to learn 100% of this all at once, or there's not all that much to learn, and we're just going to have a settlement, and then you're just going to have to figure out what you think that settlement means. Inevitably, if there's a settlement... Harden's comment's just going to be like, well, he didn't do it. There was no proof of it. That's why they didn't want to go to court. I mean, that's the easy way to, f- to flash back at that. But Busby, every move that he makes seems designed to make Tony Busby the center of this story. And since he really shouldn't be, that really makes me question some of this. Doesn't make me question the women because I don't know any of the women and I haven't heard their stories in any kind of specifics. I haven't read affidavits to that effect. I haven't seen them on the stand. I don't know their stories. I certainly haven't sat in front of them to hear their stories. So this is not me casting aspersions there. It is telling me that Tony Busby is giving the law profession the old running joke of being kind of a scummy enterprise. That's why we had so many law shows, so many legal shows on television, because it's so easy to tell soap operas about lawyers because it's all about deceit, and it always goes straight from the courtroom to the boardroom to the bedroom. It just gets real easy to tell a lot of seedy stories about lawyers. Tony Busby is coming across that way to me. Maybe he's 100% in the right, And he's got a file cabinet full of stuff that's going to knock our socks off. But the way he is maneuvering, it's like he's trying to win a court case with people that aren't going to decide it. We're not, none of us, I don't think, are going to be in a jury room, even if there is a jury room. He's just trying to garner sympathy with all the comments that he's making. But he's also not following through on his promises. Which makes me think if you're a Deshaun Watson fan, this may end up being okay. Even if he did some things. I think the chances Deshaun Watson plays football again are much higher in the minds of many of us 
than they were six weeks ago. I won't state whether or not that's good or bad because, again, we don't know what happened in the story. We don't know the truth of this story. But settlement seems increasingly likely to me. Let's go to Finley one more time out in Los Angeles and get a look at what's trending. Go ahead, Fee. Yeah, Jason. So Corey Seager incurs a fracture in his right hand as the Dodgers take down the Marlins 7 to nothing last night. Trevor Bauer striking out 10. He lasted seven innings and gave up only two hits. The Mariners befuddle the Indians 7-3. Dylan Moore had a three-run home run. The Padres jolt past the Cardinals 13-3. Austin Nola wowing with six RBI. The Blue Jays offer up a 4-0 win over the Phillies. Philly floundering with three errors. The Astros maneuver past the Rangers 6-5. Houston piling up four runs in the first inning. The Royals dispose of the White Sox 5-1. Salvador Perez going yard with a three-run blast. Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, and six others counting up the 2020 Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame class acknowledged inducted on Saturday in a delayed ceremony. Kobe's widow Vanessa accepting the honor on his behalf. She made comments including, quote, right now I'm sure he is laughing in heaven because I'm about to praise him in public, close quote. Colby's Lakers steamed past the Pacers yesterday, 122 to 115, behind 24 points by LeBron James, who made his return after missing the last six games because of an achy ankle. LA currently seventh in the West. The Bucks seesaw by the Heat, 122 to 108. Milwaukee third in the East. Miami is positioned in that sixth spot. The Suns obliterate the Spurs, 140 to 103. Phoenix clings to that second spot in the conference, but they can get to number one, but they will need the Jazz to lose later today to the Kings. Also, a win for the Celtics over the Timberwolves, 124-108. to Boston is seventh in the East. They're going to stay there. The Knicks get by the Hornets in overtime, 118-109. to New York is tied with the Hawks for fourth in the East. And finally, the Nets put the clamps on the Bulls, 105-91. to Brooklyn secures the two-seed with a win later today or a Bucks loss. And then Rombauer, Jason, winning the Preakness Stakes. And afterwards, Rombauer channeling his inner Kyrie Irving by blowing off the media. He was unable to be tracked down the mm. horse for comment. Jason, back to you. I'm I'm actually still waiting to hear from Medina Spirit. <laughs> yes. Like, I've heard from Bob Baffert, but I don't need to hear from Bob Baffert. I need to hear from the athlete. I need to hear from the situation. I need to hear whether or not this was deer <laughs> antler spray or what exactly was going on. Very disappointed that you win the Kentucky Derby. I feel like you have a responsibility to the fans and to the media and to the sports watching public to help help the integrity of your sport and Medina Spirit not doing them any favors right now. That's the only way the truth is going to come out. you got to go right to the source. Yep, and in Nick's case, the source is a horse is a horse, of course, of course, of course. Well done. There's There it is. Hashtag Dad Jokes Workshop. It never stops. She can't understand them yet, but in a couple of years, I better have some humdingers ready to go. I'm Jason Martin. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm at Jmart Radio. When you look at the NFL schedule uh, that was released in just what a circus that was, like, why do you need a primetime special when all the stuff's going to leak by noon of that day? And then everybody watched it anyway. We already knew all of the teams. Like, if you had a team, you knew every one of the 17 opponents. The only thing you didn't know was the order. Now you know the order. The only thing you didn't know was the bye, was the bye week. That's how big football is. But some pretty appetizing matchups. I think, you know, Tom Brady's dad 
calling a shot on WEI and and joking about how the Bucks are going to be undefeated after Foxborough. Like that's interesting. But that game, I mean, that game has to be the top of the list, right? I know there's maybe some better football games because I still don't know what the Patriots are going to be. They're going to be better than they were last year, one would expect. Is Mac Jones playing by then? Or is it still Cam? But you bring in a couple of tight ends and Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. Like, you do some good things. But the Bucks patriots it's all about Tom Brady playing against Bill Belichick. And that's what you get. And you get it four weeks into the season. And it's in Foxborough. If this happened last year, you wouldn't have had anybody in the seats. This time you're going to. Probably maskless, thank God. So you don't get this last year. You don't get it the first year. You get it the second year when things are a little bit more back to normal. And now you're going to get the full Monty. Bucks patriots is about as sexy a matchup as you can get, even if the game turns out to be a laugher. And I know R.J. Bell and the the uh, Straight Out of Vegas crew were saying that, you know, they will they will take Belichick over Brady in the matchup because Belichick's the greatest football mind of all time, even better than Brady. I don't know. All I know is that Bucks are loaded. I will say this: because they're so loaded, and because they ran it all back, and everybody's coming back, the fact that they're such a prohibitive favorite in a lot of ways makes me think it's not going to happen this year. But with Tom Brady, me saying that is just a fool's errand. So I'm probably going to end up picking them, even if I don't feel confident about it. You look at Bucks Patriots. The other one I don't like. A lot of people were pointing to Chiefs Ravens in Week Two. Am I wrong? I, I just don't know that that Baltimore is going to just hit back to 2019 again. They did go grab a couple of weapons, Tylen Wallace and uh, Rashad Bateman. And I like that. But Greg Roman's still the offensive coordinator, right? As long as that's the case, I'm just not so sure about Baltimore. They're still going to be second behind, I think, Cleveland in the AFC North. Just because I think Pittsburgh's kind of done and, and Cincinnati's still got some holes to fill and Burrow's coming back from injury. They'll be a little better, probably, but there's still ways to go there. I don't look at Baltimore like a Super Bowl threat at all. Chiefs Ravens, I think that turns out that that could easily be a blowout. Maybe if the Chiefs defense, and look, maybe maybe the Ravens are going to look all right. And if it's that early, they often do. But I'm not just like circling that like that's one of the five best games on the schedule, like a lot of others are. We'll be back. We'll finish up the Jason Martin show here on the other side here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios. I'm Jason Martin. This is the Jason Martin Show on Twitter at Jmart Radio. Finishing up another. Three hours here. Fox Sports Sunday coming up next. Andy Furman, Brian No, Stick around for that. Long, many of these same Fox Sports Radio stations. So, NBA regular season coming to a close. Here comes the play-in tournament. And then here comes the playoffs. And I just want to make this point one more time, and maybe I'll end up making it more. But when you look at the standings, and I said this to Finley in the first hour when he was talking about the Nets playing nine games with all three of them, and Kyrie Irving... I guess making statements, I don't know if that was yesterday or the last few days, that basketball is not his number one priority right now. He's looking at things happening in the world and all this. The worst possible thing could happen to the NBA is for the Nets to win the championship. The worst. Lakers might be second worst, but it's still the Lakers, so it's still going to be good for that reason. 
if the Nets win, then you can never, ever sell anybody on watching your regular season ever again. And it seems like a lot of people didn't be didn't do that anyway, if you look at television ratings. But the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Mavs, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Knicks, the Hawks, like one of these teams. You need somebody, you really need them to knock the nets off early, but I know that there's a storyline that's compelling. The NBA kind of wants them to go deep, but you shouldn't want them to win. You need somebody else. You also don't want it to just look like star power always wins because that's the knock on the NBA anyway, fair or unfair. It's always been a dynasty kind of league. This is the year. This doesn't need to happen every year, but it needs to happen this year. One of these other teams needs to actually win this thing. Because then you can always point back and say, well, remember when the Jazz won? I mean, honestly, when Dirk and J.J. Barea and that crew won in Dallas that year, I think that helped the league. And I think when Golden State first came around and won, that helped the league. You need it every once in a while. Doesn't need to happen all the time. You've got to have true villains. You've got to have you've got to have the right kind of Goliath. You've got to have dynasties. I understand that. This this isn't this is a year where if you can just sell us that these other teams aren't just great regular season teams that go forty eight and twenty three or fifty one and twenty or forty seven and twenty four or something like that, but never actually win the Larry O'Brien trophy. If you can just convince us that's not true, if you can convince us that those regular season records actually do matter when it gets to the playoffs, then you might hook us again to come back next year. The league hasn't been user-friendly lately. The stars are still fun to watch, but the regular season's been kind of a snooze. The low management thing has not gone well. The players haven't been super endearing to some of their audience. There's a lot of things right now that you would like to see be better if you're just looking at the NBA from a business standpoint. Best possible thing in the world. I think maybe you still need LeBron in the finals, and maybe you even still need Brooklyn in the finals. I don't think you need them both. You've got to have somebody else. If not, then what are we even doing here? I'll tell you what we'll be doing next week. Same exact thing for three more hours. Appreciate all you guys. Fox Sports Sunday coming up next. Hit me up at Jmart Radio all week. I'll see you next week right here on FSR. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 